What's up? How's your Sunday night doing? Yee, 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 yee. Um, sweet. So I heard word on the street for you public school kids, no school tomorrow. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. What about the private school kids? Y'all got school tomorrow? What? Chesapeake in the house, that's what I'm talking about. All right, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you don't have school tomorrow, like a nerd, um, I'm just joking, guys, that you're like, that was hateful. Um, No, if you don't have school tomorrow, if you don't have school tomorrow, or you just want to come hang out, we are going to cook out right after this uh, to hang out, grab a milkshake, or like a burger that costs 13 cents. So, right after this battlefield cookout, gonna come hang out, come hang out with us. Not an official church event, just a bunch of people hanging out at cookout. Kind of. All right. After this, right now. Let's go. Cool. All right. So, if you don't know who I am, my name is Caleb, and I am the student pastor here. Um, that birthday, y'all, happy birthday, y'all sang to me was lame, uh, number one. Uh, I expected more, so there's that. So I'm gonna leave you with that. No, thank you. And what you also need to know to clarify what I was trying to say earlier is if you come to the Super Bowl party and you're like, I wanna play human foosball, but I don't have eight people, then you can just come and we will put you with a team because there's gonna be a bunch of other people like that. And then if you're also like, I don't wanna play human foosball at all, that's okay because we're actually gonna watch the Super Bowl on these big TVs and then we'll also bring a snack or drink to share and we'll have a ton of that out there. Cool. All right. If you hadn't been here in a few weeks, we have been going through this series called Friendology where we are um, really looking at the science of friendship. We are looking at what it takes and what it means to be a good friend as a high school student in 2019. That when we look and when we are thinking like, hey, what what do we want to talk about next? Um, Friendship came to mind because we seem to deal with y'all struggling with it a lot. And it's not your fault. It's just the culture we're in and that friendship is hard. Like being friends is hard right now. And, and there's people that you trust and rely on that then do things you didn't expect um, that cause some kind of heartache or, or hardship. And so two weeks ago, we just talked about um, being a light in your friendship, that you actually have a whole lot of influence in your friendship. That my parents used to always tell me, like, hey, you, when you and that person are together, you're, you're not good, right? Because they knew that my friends or that person I did dumb things with had a lot of influence on me. And the same is for you, that you have a lot of influence on them. And, and then last week we talked about, so, so it's important that you put the right people around you. And this week, I, I just want you to consider um, the expectations you have for your friends. Like truly, how much are you expecting from your friends. I'm going to pray for us and, and we'll, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. God, I thank you for this time. <clears throat> I thank you for um, bringing us here tonight, allowing us just to uh, laugh with one another and to hang out with one another, for uh, giving us your word to, to look into and to study and to um, apply to our lives and our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would give us focus and understanding. God, that you do big things tonight. 
Lord, uh, that we'd be expectantly waiting on that. We love you. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so, some of y'all don't know my testimony, and, and what a testimony is, if you're in here, you don't know what that is. It's, it's my experience um, with God and, and the way Jesus has impacted my life. Uh, and, and if you had like a, a vacuum or, or you bought, I don't know why that comes to mind, right? You bought some kind of cool product, your testimony then would be how you were before and then the way it changed your life afterwards, right? And you say, man, this is the coolest product because of whatever. And so your testimony with Jesus is the same way if, if you're uncertain of that. And so my testimony, some of y'all know um, this, some of you've heard parts of this, but... <clears throat> Uh, I, I hung out with a uh, group of dudes that, that didn't really love Jesus. Um, they, they didn't really care. They were kind of, uh, they just, they really didn't care if God existed or not. They, they just went about their life. Uh, and one of my buddies' names was Brian, and then um, Joey was another guy, and then Corey. And, and it was kind of the four of us that we, we had classes together in high school and then even out of high school, we hung out um, more after that, became kind of closer friends. And in our, our relationship, I, I apparently, I came to the conclusion that I was the only um, person in our friend group that, that had parents who loved Jesus. Um, I was the only person in our friend group that claimed to know Jesus and to have a relationship with him. And my buddies would even come to church with me, like when we had a youth group like this, where I was from, and they would come hang out and sit in church, and then we'd go out, and, and on the weekend we'd party, and we'd do our stuff, and <clears throat> we'd cause, like, just havoc in the town, and and just do whatever we could to get, like, a thrill. Like, that's what I was really addicted to, was like an adrenaline rush. And so my my buddies... And I, we were hanging out, and, and for the longest time, I, I didn't ever tell them about Jesus. I didn't care really about the influence that I had in their life, like we talked about two weeks ago. Like, I just didn't matter to me. Um, well, my, my buddies never went to college. They went straight to, like, the oil fields and started working, and you can make, like, serious money on that. And so they both, uh, Joey and Brian and Corey, all three of them bought motorcycles and, and had these pretty quick, fast motorcycles and one night, Joey and Brian were, were, I guess, racing their motorcycles. I think they were driving. They'd been drinking some, so they were a little bit um, under the influence. And they're both going over like 100 miles an hour. And they, uh, an 18-wheeler was pulling across lanes to back in. And they would have had plenty of time had they been sober, um, had they been going the speed limit. But they're going way over the speed limit. They weren't sober. And they both slammed the side of an 18-wheeler going over 100 miles an hour on two different motorcycles. Um, and both of them died instantly. And so two of my friends that I'd hung out with, I'd partied with, um, I knew that meant a lot to me uh, that I never shared Jesus with, that I never, like, talked about, like, went to church, but I didn't really, like, say, man, hey, you should consider this. Like, like I could have I changed a lot more. Like, maybe I lost a friend if I would have said something, but, but maybe their eternity would have changed, right? Like, I had an influence on their eternity because of the knowledge I had in my heart and my mind, but I never shared it. And, and they both died, and I, I don't know their hearts. I don't know where they're at, but I can guess. Um, and so that was part of my testimony where it was in that moment that the Lord said, hey, what are you doing with your influence? What are you doing with your life? Um, you're living this, you're living on both sides of the fence, man. Like you are absolutely living in the world and then you're going to church every Sunday. Like you are living on both sides of this fence. 
and where the Lord began to, began to do a work in me, and it wasn't an instant change, it wasn't an immediate like, oh, now I'm perfect Christian Caleb, like I'm still not that person. But it was, it was a redirection of my life. But I don't really want to talk about me too much. I want to talk about Corey. See, Corey was the fourth guy who was actually with Brian and Joey that night. That they left where they had been drinking. Corey left a little bit later than Brian and Joey. Corey also owned a motorcycle, and um, went, but, but wasn't driving it that night when Joey and Brian left. So I want to talk about the effect that it had on my friend Corey. See, for him, when my two friends that meant a lot to me and his two friends that meant a whole lot to him died, that, that it was earth-shattering for him in a, in a much different way than it was for me. That, that these guys were, were guys that kind of held it all together for him. That these were guys that he really depended on being there forever. That they were the people that he kind of cast his burdens on when he was dealing with big things in his life that were now no longer. That, that because they were human, and if you're friends with anybody, if you're not a weirdo, then likely they're human. And, yeah, I'd throw it in. Some of you are weirdos. And, and, and if they're human, then you need to know that they're going to they're gonna make mistakes and their life will end one day. And so if they're holding all of your burdens... Um, it's not going to work out eventually. And, and so Corey's life began to take a downhill turn that he, he sold his motorcycle instantly. He never touched it or rode it again, that he uh, began to be very sad, very depressed. And he was not, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm missing my friends. Like, yes, there's a time to be sad. There's a time to mourn. But, but his life had a drastic shift in how he began to look at life and the things that he began to consider that he actually um, kind of withdrew some and, and it really like affected him. that he expected and had high expectations of these two guys that were no longer there. See, for some of us, we have friends in the same boat, that they are closer than family, that we have friends that like really, they, they know everything about us and, and they know our deepest struggles, that we, we run to them first when when everything seems to be falling apart, we run to them first when everything seems to be working out perfectly. Like, they're the people we cry with and we celebrate with. That we have those friends. And the question I really want to ask you tonight and, and cause you to consider is, is what are the expectations you are laying on these friends? What are the, what are the, the things that you are, are counting on them to provide to you? Are they right expectations? See, we could probably all relate to Corey in the fact that maybe we've never, um, maybe we've never had a friend die. Maybe you have. You're in here and you've had friends die. You've had friends leave, in, and it left you with this empty hole because you you had a lot of expectation and a lot a lot of influence that was there in that friendship. But but some of you have lost good friends maybe um, because they moved away. That moms, dads, jobs, move them away. Maybe you lost friends because you got in a fight with them and and y'all couldn't seem to work it out. And so one day you're good, the next day you're not and you're living in this world of of unforgiveness and and this world where now things are getting a little bit lonely. Or maybe you lost a friend because they got in a relationship and they stopped hanging out with you. That they began to, to lean on someone else and not you. That 
that maybe we've never had a friend die, but we can be in the same situation where we expected a lot out of our friend and then in an instant they are no longer there and it left us reeling. And when we have unrealistic expectations and that happens, then we begin to, to be affected in our self-esteem. Like our self-esteem goes down because we're like, man, we're not wanted, we're not needed. I gained it from the way that they approved of my life and they're no longer there. We feel devalued. Maybe you begin to get anxious because you, you don't have that person that kind of keeps you stable. Maybe depression kind of takes over. You begin to feel lonely because they were the ones that carried those burdens that gave you your self-esteem and your value and, and all of those things. That it's a huge ripple effect in our life. That maybe it's affected your attendance at school or even at church. That because of the way that, that someone else has treated you or the things that have happened, it's now like, man, I can't go to that place. I can't see that, that person. Like it, it's dealing, like it is wreaking havoc in your life and in your heart. <laughs> that if you're in that place or you've ever been in a similar place to that, and you need to know there, there's a guy that, that the Bible writes about, his name is David, and he was a king, and he's dealing with a situation that, that is very similar. See, David was the king that says after God's own heart. Like, he was a man who loved the Lord. The problem was David had a son that kind of was terrible. And so David's son began to try to cause a kingdom to turn from his father and instead pursue him. <clears throat> and so he was ruling this kingdom and trying to turn this kingdom towards himself instead of his father, David. See, the thing was that that's not what affected him the most. What affected David the most was not that his son betrayed him, but it was in fact that his best friend, who was also his counselor then, lies to his face and takes sides with his son. This is how he writes it. It's in Psalms 55, verse 12. He says, now it is not an enemy who insults me, otherwise I could bear it. It's not a foe who rises up against me, otherwise I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion, and good friend. So he says, man, if, if it was an enemy, like, that's something I would expect out of an enemy. So, but it's not, it's not an enemy, that, that's okay, he says, but, but actually it's a friend who I expected the best out of has now abandoned, has now lied, has now betrayed me. And so he's left in this place of betrayal and, and where he feels um, like he's been done wrong, like not treated justly, been lied to. He continues on in verse 20, and I have up here 21, but I'm gonna read 20 for you. It says, my friend acts violently against those at peace with him. He violates his covenant. His buttery words are smooth, but war is in his heart. His words are softer than oil, but they are drawn sore. So he says, man, he not only like said he had my best interest in mind, he not only appeared in public to be okay with me, but then he turns his back and runs and betrays me. Like he did the old, he didn't even he didn't even have the guts to tell me to my face. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. 
where you've had friends or people in your life that you thought meant a lot to you. And the next thing you know is they're not pursuing your best. They don't have your best interests in mind, but instead they have someone else's or their own and they don't care about yours anymore. That's where he's at. And then he goes on in verse 22. He says, but cast your burdens. It's so weird. He's like talking about the event and then he kind of changes and like begins to write to the reader. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. He uses that word, he says, cast your burden. See, we all have, we may not actually, we may not all have friends who have abandoned us yet. But like I said earlier, if you're friends with a human, you need to understand at one point or another, they will let you down because they are human. And so though we may not all have friends yet who have let us down, who have have caused us to look at ourselves differently, we all have burdens. That you walked in here with burdens, some of them really big, some of them really small, that you have burdens on your heart and on your mind that are causing you not to see the world clearly. They're causing you distraction where you can't think at school, where you can't handle and and act the way that you normally act in other life events, and they are, are being a big burden for you. That we all have burdens. We, we can keep that in common. That no one walked in here without something, some kind of burden. The question is, who are you casting your burdens on? See, who are you, are you saying, hey, I need you to hold this burden because I can't hold it myself. What you need to know about God is that he wired you for, for friendship. That he created you to be in relationship. You want to meet some of the most uh, disgruntled, unhappy, lonely people? It's the ones who think they can walk through this world without friends. It's the ones who think they can walk through this world by themselves. I don't need anybody. Those people are some of the most unpleasant people to be around. Because you can't. That you have been wired, whether you believe there is a God or not, you can undeniably know there is a desire in you to have relationship and have people around you that affirm you. You can't deny it. I believe it is because God has given us that desire, but here's what you need to also understand. That there's a difference in sharing burdens and casting your burdens. See, what he means by cast is he means to lean on, to rely on, to put all weight on something. That if it was to fail or to fall, it would cause great damage. That some of us have taken our friends and and we, instead of, of sharing a burden, we have cast our burden. That my parents split up. And I don't know what to do. My boyfriend, my girlfriend broke up with me and I'm lonely and I'm unhappy. I'm dealing with some kind of stress or anxiety. Maybe I'm cutting myself. I'm feeling suicidal. And we place that on our friends and we said, hey, it is your job to make me happy. That I'm really relying on you to give me some kind of peace. I'm relying on you to tell me that I'm enough. I'm relying on you to tell me I'm worth living. 
I'm relying on you to tell me I'll be missed if I'm gone. I'm relying on you that when the pain gets so strong that you would be there at all times to make it go away. And we were relying on them in such a way that if they were to fail, it would fall or fail, it would cause great distress and great damage in our life. And what you need to understand is that our friends cannot hold that burden. That if we have put that pressure on the people around us, then you need to know we have put a weight on their shoulders that they cannot hold. That they can't be that person. See, God has created us with friendships that we would share a burden. That we would have people around us that when we're sad, they would cry with us. That when we're happy, they would celebrate with us. That when we're feeling down, they would remind us of God's promises. And when we're feeling cocky, they would remind us that we are called to be humble. That it's people that would do life with us and walk with us. But it's not people that we would cast our burden on. We are called to share burdens, but not to cast our burdens. And so he says, no, no, I want you to cast your burden on the Lord. For he is the only one that can sustain you. He is the only one that has a stable foundation that can truly hold the weight of your identity. That can truly hold the weight of your value. That can truly be there at all times when the darkest of events is happening in your life and will be there to remind you, no, you are loved and you are dearly, dearly valued. That even this cannot overtake you when you are in my hands. He says, no, cast your burden even when, when friends have abandoned you, when friends have hurt you. He says, man, cast it on the Lord for he is the one that sustains you. See, I need you, need you to know that, that I get to meet with a lot of students. And a lot of times that they meet with me and they're, and they're having trouble. It's for, for two reasons most of the time. One is they're having trouble about a failed friendship. That a friend they expected to be more than what they could be failed to hold up under the pressure and they're left feeling like they don't have value, like they don't matter. And it's not the friend's fault and it's not the person's fault, it's an understanding that they had wrong expectations. But the other kind of person I get to meet with often are those that are broken because they feel like they are failing a relationship. That they are the ones that are holding up the identity of another person. They're the ones holding up the joy and the happiness of another person. And their fear is they are not able to stand up under that pressure. And so they come like, man, I don't know what to do in this moment. That someone has put on their life a burden that they simply cannot hold, that they were built to share and not sustain. So you are not meant to walk through this life alone. You are not meant to hold other people's burdens. 
See, what happens when, when we begin to cast our burdens on other people instead of relying on the Lord, what you need to know that saying is that you have very high expectations of a person, but on the other side, you have very low expectations of Jesus. When our expectations of a person are too high, it's usually because our expectations of the Lord are too low. That we think he can do both. But what makes everything better, and it's a simple solution and it's very easy. It's hard to do, very easy to understand. What makes everything better, everyone benefits when we have right expectations. That when our expectations are in line with what people can handle and with what God promises, then everyone benefits. See, everyone is dramatically affected by the expectations that we put on them. Whether that's your parents or your friends or your girlfriends or your boyfriends. That it's not being in relationships where you don't share the truth of what's going on in your life. It's not being fearful that you're going to put too much, but it's not leaning on them and depending on them to be your source of joy and your source of peace and your source of healing. But those are burdens they can't hold. And so the question I have then is, how do you gauge right expectations, whether you're having the right expectations for the people around you? And I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you three things to consider and to think of. The first is this. If you couldn't connect with your friends, would it cause anxiety? If you had to go a day or two days or a week and, and literally you weren't able to see your friends, you didn't see them on Instagram, you didn't get to message them or chat with them, like you literally, y'all's paths just didn't cross and your phone died and there was no way of you contacting them, would it cause you anxiety? Would it cause you an extreme fear? Would it cause an emotional response in you other than, hey, I kind of miss them? If so, then that's a good sign that you may be depending on them too much. And if you're depending on them too much, I'm going to likely say you're not depending on Jesus enough. A second is this, and it was super convicting for me, even as I, as the words like entered the computer screen as I typed them out. If you don't spend time with Jesus, does it affect you at all? See, for some of us in this room, we're in a place where if we don't see our friends, we don't see those people that we truly live. I mean, we get this anxiety as if things are going to fall apart, as if things are going to begin to go wrong, as if we don't have the crutch we need, the thing to hold our burdens. But yet we say, man, I hadn't gone, I've gone weeks and I haven't spent any time with Jesus. And from what I can tell, it hadn't affected me at all. And you may not be expecting enough out of Jesus. If you don't spend time with Jesus, does it affect you at all? If it doesn't affect you at all, then you can almost guarantee you're going to have too high of expectations for your friends. That if Jesus is not in his rightful place and you're going to put friends in Jesus' rightful place and they will fall and they will fail and they will leave you stranded. 
you've got to put them in the rightful place. Because not only will you damage you, but you damage them. That they live with this thought of, man, I can't, I got to hold these burdens. I got to deal with this. And that crushes people. And then lastly is this. Are you depending on your friends to handle things that you would be able to handle? See, it's amazing to me, and I get it, that some of your parents are terrible. Like, I get it. They're just not good parents. And so your friends are kind of all you got. Your friends, maybe your small group leaders on Sunday morning, maybe it's me, maybe it's other people, that they're kind of like, man, this is all I got. These are, are my people. Well, the people you're truly sharing, your, your deepest uh, fears, your deepest struggles, the deepest things that you're worrying about, can they handle it? The question is, if you're on the other end, the receiving end, would you be able to handle the things you're telling them? See, so often we run to our friends because they're the people we hang out with and we trust, but the problem is their life experience is the same life experience you've had. And so they have no more wisdom than what you have in dealing with the issue you're dealing with. That's an unreal expectation of your friend, to expect them to know more than you do about the problem you have. Because you need to believe when you tell them that you're cutting yourself and you're dealing with these things that they're going to turn around and try to be a solution but truthfully they have no idea what they're talking about. Because they've never dealt with it. And when you're dealing with whatever it is that's, that you are dealing with, with whatever it is, I could, I could stand all night here and list the things that you might be dealing with. That if it is, go back to that real quick, that if it is not... Maybe not. Just there it is, perfect. (laughs) That if it is not something that you could handle, likely they can't handle either. So I encourage you, if you're dealing with things that, that are big in your life and you need someone to lean on, you've got to take them to someone who has more life experience than you. You've got to take them to people you trust but that may know what the heck is going on. Like you've got to take them to people who have some kind of life experience and some kind of training. That maybe that's a small group leader, maybe that's me, maybe that's someone else, maybe that's a parent, maybe I don't, maybe that's your your neighbor's parent. Like I don't know who that is for you. But if you're telling them stuff that you can't handle yourself, or if you're on the other end, you couldn't handle, then they can't handle it either. And that's a wrong expectation of somebody. That's an unfair expectation of somebody. So as you consider it, man, this is a good gauge. This is a good gauge of, man, where are your expectations? Are they healthy or are they a little bit unequal? If you're in here and you know you've been expecting too much of your friends and you know you've been been having unrealistic expectations of Jesus, maybe they're just too low, then I I just want to close with this and this this is just some of the promises from God's word. This is just some of the, the really encouraging stuff that, that I want you to consider. 
Like, if you don't know what to do now, you're like, man, I, my friendships are kind of jacked up, and I'm starting to see that. That I need to go apologize to people because I've been crushing them. I casted my burdens on them instead of sharing my burdens with them. And I got to backstep a little bit. But you're not sure what to do now. I just want you to consider this. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. He says, man, with prayer and petition, in everything, and whatever it is, from the littlest detail to the biggest thing, he says, man, present those requests to God. Prayer and petition, repeated prayer, continually bringing them to the Lord, continually taking that burden and casting it on the shoulders of Jesus. And this is the result, he says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That the peace of God, which in the situation you're in, would cause great fear and great anxiety and great separation and great scars and great wounds and yet you stand in the midst of it at peace and you're like, man, why am I at peace? I don't know why I'm at peace but I know a God who's carrying my burdens who holds my life in his hands and he promises that I would receive this peace that's beyond my understanding because he is the one who can hold the burdens in your life, the one that sustains you. For those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus and said, man, your death, your resurrection, you are the one who saw me when I was sinful and yet you in your perfection chose to die in my place and pay my price so that I would not have to pay it but instead would receive life. And I know now that God of this universe holds my life in his hands that whatever I'm dealing with, He says, man, I am in control that the righteous will not be shaken. He says, you can have peace in the midst of the scariest situations and the biggest storms of your life. And man, they might be hard and they might look dark and and, and look like there's no way out, but you need to understand that I am in control. So I have peace. It goes beyond understanding. It goes beyond explanation. He goes on later in this chapter he says, and my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, man, and it's my God who knows exactly what you need, who knows exactly what you came in here craving. He knows exactly the temptations on your heart and on your mind. He knows exactly the things that you're saying, man, God, I don't know how I'm going to live without this. Like, I need this. And he says, man, and he knows all of your needs and will provide and supply everything that is needed in your life. And David says, that's the God that we cast our burdens on. For he is faithful to sustain you. For he is the one that can prevail under the pressure. That he is the one that if our life is in his hands and and our expectations are in him and his promises that he can sustain, that he can fulfill, that he can provide. 
It's only then do our expectations of our friends become a little healthier and do we understand his role versus their role. 